0: Hello, I'm Andrew Fuller, I'm the chairperson of Generation Next. And in this series of podcasts, I get the great privilege of talking to eminent people in their areas of expertise around well being and young people. And today i'm delighted to connect with adjunct professor con sto who is at swinburne university and is also the ceo of the aristotle emotional intelligence project and so today we're going to talk a bit about emotional intelligence we're going to talk about some of the aristotle project and what con's been finding and then to talk about how we might apply that in schools and then we are going to spend a little time contrasting that with positive education as a different type of approach and how the two may either marry up or not. We'll see. So welcome, Con. It's great to be with you. And uh, can you start by just telling us a little bit about this wonderfully titled Aristotle Project?
1: Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for um, talking to me today. Well, look, um, so Aristotle sort of started about uh, 10 years ago out of Swinburne University with about a dozen strong sort of partner schools and um based on an Australian Research Council grant and really the idea is that we want to measure and develop what we call emotional intelligence specifically in schools Um, so Aristotle is a whole school approach to measuring and understanding and managing emotions and so it's sort of a multifaceted approach insofar as we have scales to measure emotional intelligence. Um, We have programs from grade one to to grade 12 that uh, develop emotional intelligence using skill-based learning and strategies and activities. Um, We also develop emotional intelligence in teachers and uh, have a variety of different classroom resources And we're also developing some programs for parents. And I think to really make change, uh, you know, substantial change in children and adolescents around important constructs like emotional intelligence, you've got to do lots of things at a school, not just, you know, talk about it. You've got to measure it. You've got to develop it. You've got to help teachers use it in the classroom. um, And you've also got to help parents. So that's really. Has been our strategy. But certainly, we didn't have programs for a long time, um, mainly because in the early days, we just wanted to understand whether emotional intelligence was important. And, um, you know, we published dozens of, of papers showing that emotional intelligence in schools, you know, differences in emotional intelligence in children and adolescents did predict things like scholastic performance. Did predict things like bullying, anxiety, coping, uh, you know, a wide range of, of, of different outcomes in schools.
0: These days, it feels a bit like people are a bit more dislocated from their feelings and emotions than usual, I think. And probably some of the young men that I work with clinically, I sometimes feel that they have two emotions. One's happy and the other's angry. That's about it. Not much of a repertoire. So I'm wondering what's your thoughts about that and whether you what you found is effective in increasing that repertoire or granular, granularity, I think, the, the feelings mm-hmm. as we help people to tune into their own self-feeling world. Yeah.
1: Well, look, I I, I think emotions are, are complex. Um and there are great, great differences in emotional intelligence. And you know, we we sort of think of emotional intelligence. As as several different competencies around, um, as you say, understanding emotions, your emotional vocabulary, but all the way up to how we regulate and manage those emotions. Um, And your um, your thoughts there are very consistent with what schools tell us, is that um, um, you know understanding emotions, which is the sort of most basic aspect of emotional intelligence. is is really problematic for lots of lots of kids, and um, so this is really why we <clears throat> excuse me we need approaches to extend people's emotional vocabulary. Um, we need to talk about emotions, um, and uh, <clears throat> we need to help kids um, understand how emotions impact their behaviours, um, and um, and also teachers as well. Um, and you know we've just developed a new a new scale and report, which we're about to use, um, which measures a teacher's ability to read the emotions and manage emotions within the classroom, because we think emotions in the classroom are so fundamental to learning. For instance, so you know, kids experiencing negative emotions or maladaptive emotions, such as uh, anxiety or, or anger in class, uh, really turn turn off. Their ability to, to learn information, but you know you've got to start. Our approach is you've got to start early You've got to start in grade one, uh, or even earlier, probably. Um, or we'll get there at some stage um, to to teach kids about emotions and um, extend their emotional vocabulary. Um, help them understand <clears throat> the you know the bodily reactions in terms of emotions. That uh, thoughts can control our emotions, um, our beliefs, and 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 thoughts um affect our emotions. And for them to be, you know, really conscious of how their different emotional states are affecting um their
0: behaviors and their interactions with others. So two brief questions, Con. One is: Do you think that there are negative emotions?
1: Well, look, I, I think <clears throat> I think there are different ways to describe emotions. I think more sort of, I'm a bit maybe old school, perhaps where we talk about negative and positive emotions, but it's probably better to talk about adaptive emotions and maladaptive emotions. And there are, you know, there are, um, as you know, a small number of primary emotions that we experience. And most of them are, I would regard as, as sort of negative emotions in terms of, of um, our biology and, 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 and what they signify in terms of our, environments and where we are and and problems and so on um and you know there are a much more limited range of what i would call positive emotions such as happiness and and joy Um, but you know you could talk about them also about um adaptive versus maladaptive emotions so are you experiencing an emotion that's healthy helpful to you in in a particular situation Mm -hmm. so you know if you're in class for instance and Um, you know you're anxious about the material then you're probably not going to be very uh, innovative you're not going to be um consolidate that information very well because those types of negative emotions really focus you on your particular situation um, and you're not open to to other cognitive processes for instance but you know if also you know you might want to experience some negative emotions occasionally in school because they do tell you important things. I mean, if you haven't prepared for an exam two days before, then you should be feeling a bit anxious. Mm. So that, that anxiety, for instance, is telling you important things about your preparation uh, for the future. So, yeah, I think we can call them different things. But, um, you know, all emotions are, are important. It's important to have a wide variety of, experience a wide variety of different emotions uh, because they are they are. Uh, they are different, and they tell you different things about um, your situation, and, um, uh, you know, uh, and, and what, you, what you need to do to to be successful.
0: So let me ask what probably a, seems like a, a, a silly question, but why would adults bother to learn more about emotions themselves? What's the value for them?
1: Well, I think we all have trouble in um, managing and regulating our emotions. And, you know, we we want to, you know, a lot of us do get stuck with certain emotions that are unpleasant. Um, so we want to be able to understand what that, that means, but also move on to experience, uh, you know, more, more positive emotions such as uh, happiness and so on. I mean, the other reason for my, you know, uh, emotional intelligence was very big in the workplace. It still is very big in the workplace, much, much more than in schools. The application of the emotional intelligence in schools is, is still developing really. Um, But, um, you know, our success in the workplace seems to be related to things like emotional intelligence. Um, You know, better leadership has been proven to be associated with, you know, better emotional management of other people and better able to relate to other people and be empathic and understand the emotions of people you're working with. So definitely uh, higher emotional intelligence relates to, to better outcomes. But... People who are not able to understand emotions it's really struggle in life, I think. They mm-hmm. struggle in relationships. They they show poor well being um, and, and so on. So there's really and you know, if you're a parent as well, you want to help kids understand emotions. You want to help kids um, manage their emotions too. These are huge issues for for young children and adolescents. So I think there are a lot of reasons why we should be understand. I mean, another thing is that emotions are completely fundamental about us being human. You know, we we can't escape the experience of emotions. So we should try to understand them and and better manage them.
0: So a teacher who's casting her eye across a a world-weary year eight group on a Friday afternoon, who can read the the crowd, who can read their, their feelings and is in a better position, you think, to engage them or to promote their learning?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's it's probably there are a couple of things occurring in the class. There's the, the sort of emotional overtones of of a particular class, but there are individuals within that class, aren't there? So you know, there might be 25 uh, children in that class, and they all bring a different story to the classroom, don't they? So they all bring different thoughts and beliefs. Uh, They've all had different interactions at lunchtime. They've probably all had different lunches and breakfasts and had different sleep and um, interactions with their parents and so on. So they're all experiencing a different array of of emotions. Some of those will be adaptive and some of those will be maladaptive for learning. And so a really skilled teacher, and it's something that we're really working on at the moment, is a teacher that can understand the differences in the emotions being experienced and expressed by different students, and somehow influence those emotions in a way that will help each of those children or adolescents learn and 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 uh, stay focused and pay attention, um, and 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 help them to be positive about the learning experience. That's you know uh, these are all words. It's not easy. Easy things I think being a teacher is really difficult mm. um, but using emotional intelligence I think can, can make things um, much uh, much easier for teachers much more productive in the long term help them develop better relationships with students um, but the other thing I would say about teaching too is that it's a very stressful uh, profession and a lot of teachers do leave because of you know high occupational stress So, you know, being able to um, manage those uh, stressful emotions, um, for instance, uh, is really important in terms of the happiness of teachers and the longevity of teachers as well. Yeah,
0: good point. Um, So talking about this approach and perhaps contrasting it with positive education, because it seems that they, well, you've clearly taken a different approach than that approach. Do you want to comment on that? thinking behind that for yourself?
1: Yeah, so look, I think um, we need to be doing more, have more approaches in the schools um, that just not about um, maths and English and writing and reading and so on. So we need to be doing lots of things. So there's, I think there's a place for lots of different strategies. Emotional intelligence is almost the polar opposite in some ways to to POSED. So um, you know, Posed I think you know it comes out of Martin Seligman's work. Um, in some ways, is sort of the modern day realization of, of you know some of Maslow's work on self actualization. So in some ways, I think it's very much a top down approach where you know Posed teaches um, kids to be uh, show more gratitude and um, to to develop their their various strengths and, and so on, and and that's sort of come out of psychology hasn't applied to to education. Whereas emotional intelligence is more about the the basic skills around how we understand and manage emotions. So it's a very much a bottom up approach. And so potentially the two two can meet um, and be used together. But um, in my opinion, I think for the vast majority of students, we need to teach them these, these basic skills around emotions how to regulate emotions, how to read emotions, how to understand emotions um, in particular, before we really can, can teach kids those higher order policy education type of behaviours. I mean, I, I play a lot of tennis, Andrew, and it's like, I can have this great strategy to keep the ball away from my opponent's forehands and to, to hit the ball in the corners and, and so on. But if I can't actually, um, hit the ball well. I don't have the skills. Then those strategies don't really <laughs> work very well.
0: That makes sense. So, so in terms of really the acuity or the finesse, which we really understand our range of feelings, and I'm using feelings because I don't want to be restricted by Paul Ekman's basic six. I think so. Mm. There's a broader range, is that right? There's sure. sort of emotional groupings, and then there's feelings. Is that correct? Am I? look, it
1: depends on 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 what model you you want to talk about. I mean, we talk about um, sort of those primary emotions then we talk about secondary emotions. Mm. And there's a huge, huge, if you if you take the um, the dictionary and just read through the dictionary, you'll find hundreds of words that relate to emotions and and feelings if if you like. And um, most of these are sort of secondary emotions that are sort of constructed by our society. not all cultures experience all those different types of emotions. And so, you know, and if you think of differences in our own environment, you know, if you've got a, even differences in schools, differences in different parts of Australia, different different parental approaches, then we all have a different repertoire of, of emotions and experiences. And so, you know, we all come to the classroom, um, I guess, uh, with a different series of knowledges and um, and understandings of, of emotions and feelings. And you, you can try to measure um, an adolescent or child's emotional vocabulary and their sort of emotional self-awareness. Uh, and, and it varies considerably. And, you know, these things are sort of normally distributed in terms of our understanding of emotions, which is, I think, interesting.
0: So what do you think and I just want to honor the work you're doing I think it's it's fantastic but and what what do you think is next in terms of what's the next wave of work for you in terms of developing this even further
1: um well look you know we've been fairly focused on developing programs and scales and approaches and so we really haven't got out to a huge number of schools so you know that that will be something that we have to we'll have to get out in, in terms of you know, the thousands of schools that, that are out there. I mean, we've we've had really solid relationships with about 20 schools around Australia and New Zealand, and they've helped us collect lots of data, published papers, you know, revise programs based on their feedback and those sorts of things. So, you know, we've, we've really focused on the measurement of AI and individual programs for... From grade one to grade twelve for, for kids and adolescents. So what we're working on now is the idea of how do we take all that information and apply it to the classroom so we can improve learning and well-being in the classroom. I mean that's what school is sort of about. Mm. Um, we're trying to finish now a really comprehensive online program for teachers, which will provide them with you know a huge amount of information around emotions and uh, their own emotional intelligence and how to use it, including how to develop their own resilience and, and, um, and help them with stress. And then next year we'll be working on this parallel program for, for parents so that you know we really have a whole whole school approach from you know grade 1 to grade 12, but all the components of the school which can affect a child or an adolescent's development, can try to capture Um, maybe that's a bit naive but you know if we can have uh structured programs we can have scales to measure their emotional intelligence over time and and we can work on developing the emotional competencies of teachers and parents i think that's going to be a good start you know it's it's what we want to do is be as proactive as as possible um, and start as early as possible
0: so should people like to follow up Uh, on some of this work with you or what's the best way for them to access that? Um,
1: Look, we have a a website, um, which is uh, Mm -hmm. aristotle-ei.com or they can email myself or another member of our team. You know, we like to to work deeply with schools. Um, We're not a a one um, solution for every school, you know, pretty well. Every school we work with, we try to modify our approach to to help them and help them reach their goals. Hmm. Um, but we're really keen to to work um, with as many schools as possible, and to uh, and uh, you know try to develop the emotional competencies of, of, of schools. So you know, if, if any if any school was interested,
0: we'd, we'd love to have a conversation. Thank you so much for your time today, Khan. It's been great talking to you. Thanks very much, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you would like to follow up in further detail, please listen in to some of the other podcasts that we have made, which are available through the Generation Next website. There are also a series of books uh, from Generation Next in terms of nurturing young minds, uh, covering a series of issues to do with young people and also in my own book, Tricky Behaviors and Your Best Life at Any Age, which are both available either on Amazon or through Bad Apple Press. Thank you so much, and I hope to connect with you again soon. Thank you.
2: Find more resources for supporting the mental health and well-being of young people on the Generation Next website. While you're there, consider becoming a member of the Online Learning Hub, where you can access practical sessions from leading experts on demand. There are many sessions available in the ever-expanding learning library, and each session has an instantly downloadable certificate of completion, which you may even be able to use to claim professional development. You can also feel great about your membership with all proceeds supporting Generation Next's not-for-profit initiatives, including this podcast. You may also like to read more in Generation Next's Young Minds books. Both books contain practical and easy-to-read chapters on a range of topics from Australia's leading practitioners. Andrew Fuller's chapter, What is Resilience, and How to Do It, is in the book Growing Happy, Healthy Young Minds, available on the Generation Next website at www.generationnext.com.au. We hope you found this podcast helpful. Please share this podcast and your learnings with others. Until next time, thanks for listening, and for all you do to support young people in our communities.